Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today we are going to be talking about something that we all need to have and that we should all be longing for. And so with all of that being said, let's pray before we dive right in so that the Lord will be with us during this podcast. And with that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all that you do for us. Lord, thank you for coming down and and for redeeming us from the sins and the evilness of this world, from the degradation, from sin and Satan. And Lord, we cannot express it enough how much we appreciate all that you have done and are doing for us on our behalf. Lord, you have given us such a precious thing to look forward to, so much hope and love. Lord, we just raise our hands and we are grateful for giving us something to look forward to, a heavenly home, a beautiful, wonderful home where you reside. Help us, Lord, to give up all for you like you gave up all for us. We ask all these things in your precious, wonderful, holy son's name. Amen. So without further ado, let's get into what we are going to talk about, and that is the hope of the Lord. We've been talking a lot recently about love and faith and peace, and now I want to delve into hope. And here are some Bible verses. I think a lot of Bible verses actually give us a lot of hope, a lot of encouragement. But these ones specifically talk about it. And it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an extended end. So the Lord knows our thoughts. He knows that we need these encouraging words, these encouraging Bible verses to get us through. And it is amazing how often we get discouraged when we have such an, an amazing God who can get us out of all of these different situations. In Psalms 42 11 it says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Here it is said that we need to hope in the Lord even when trials and tribulations and when we are feeling down, that is when we need to place our hope most in the Lord. And in Isaiah 40 31 it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. We can put our hope and trust in the Lord and when we do that, he will give us the strength to not be weary in well-doing. He will give us the strength to faint not when those trials come and those temptations come. We can have all of the things that the Lord promises us. We just have to believe. Romans 15 13 says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We cannot have one without the other. And in fact, 1 Corinthians 13.13 13 says, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. We must put it all together. And when we put all of these things together, we come out a stronger person, not because of us or anything that we've done, but because of what the Lord has given us. When we hope and have that hope in the Lord, and when we have that faith, and we have that love for others, we ourselves become changed like Jesus is, and we reflect him more, and people notice that more. And then we give up the things of the world. We give up the things that are holding us back. And it is an amazing transformation that we ourselves sometimes don't even realize this taking place, but we must do our part, and God will do his part. Psalms 30 
31, 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope gives us something to look forward to. Hope is what we cling on to when things are at their worst, because we know something better is happening. In Lamentations 3, 24 says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. And in Psalms 135, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. There are so many encouraging Bible verses about hope and faith and love and how we should have the wisdom and to love the Lord and to hope in him and to be trusting in him because he will carry us through and that how we can be strengthened because of our hope and the hope of the glory of what is to come. And I encourage you to do a Bible study of your own about hope and read all of the verses, type it in, search it out for yourself, see whether these things be so. And Ephesians 1.18 says, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. This is amazing. And of course, we can't forget 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. And if you want to know what all that is talking about, go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read that chapter. It's a beautiful, wonderful chapter. And I want to read one final Bible verse. It says in Proverbs 10, 28, the hope of the righteous shall be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked shall perish. Those words are very powerful and something that we need to think about because it's very true. When we live for God and when we obey his commandments and have that hope and that faith and that love that he wants us to have in all of the other fruits of the spirit, we become changed. We start to grow. But if we don't do those things and if we don't put our hope in the Lord and we don't do the commandments of the Lord and trust in the Lord, then we can expect to perish with the wicked because we ourselves will be wicked because we did not have that faith, that hope, that love, all of the other things that the Bible is trying to teach us and guide us to and wants us to have. And that's why he gives us these things so that we can be encouraged, that we can do these things so that we know that he loves us and wants us to be with him forever. And that is such a blessed hope. And that is what we need to look forward to and what we need to long for the most. And now I want to read in the spirit of prophecy. R.H. February 8th, 1906, paragraph 14 says this, Christ, the gift of the Father to our world is the hope and efficiency of the penitent. In him, all hopes of eternal life center. He is our advocate in the heavenly courts. He is interceding in our behalf. Without his grace, no progress in spiritual grace can be made. The penitent cannot take one step in sincerity, in truthfulness, in righteousness without the help of the Lord Jesus. For this help, let us most earnestly plead. We must plead for the Lord to help us to have a better hope, to have a better faith, to have more love in our hearts. We need to plead with the Lord and pray with sincerity of heart, with longing to change, with longing to grow better. We need that true repentance. We need that longing to worship and be in God's presence. The things of this earth are nothing compared to the glories that are awaiting us. What is a few moments of pleasure compared to losing out on all eternity because we were not willing to change, because we were not willing to grow? And the sad reality is that we want sin sometimes more than we want the Lord. And I include myself in this just as much as everybody else because I am not perfect. 
perfect. There are things in my life that have to change that I want to change. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's a struggle because we cling to those things that we know aren't good because of whatever reason we or excuse that we try to give ourselves. But the reality is we have to ask ourselves the tough questions. Do we want to be with Jesus forever? Do we love him enough to give up all like he gave up all for us? And these are the things that we have to ask ourselves. And we can ask the Lord to help us. If we are sincere, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to help us get rid of the sin that is so plaguing our souls. He is waiting and willing to help us. In Signs of the Times, March 24, 1904, paragraph 5, she says, There are many souls in perplexity, weighed down by a load of guilt. They desire to be delivered from sin. They have wandered from the springs of true happiness and have poisoned their lives by drinking of the murky waters of transgression. They need the help of a friendly outstretched hand. Teach them how to reach upward, how to live so that they will gain the respect of their fellow men. Although the will has been depraved and weakened, there is hope for them in Christ. He will waken in their hearts higher impulses and holier desires. They need to hear the words of encouragement that they may lay hold of the hope set before them in the gospel. The promises of God's word will be to them as the leaves of the tree of life. Patiently continue your efforts until with grateful joy the trembling hand grasps the hope of redemption through Christ. That is such a beautiful promise and it is to every one of us. We may be weighed down by guilt. We may have all these perplexities or we may know somebody who has all of these things going on and they wonder, is it too late? How can I have this faith and this hope to believe that God can forgive such a sinner as I? And I think we have all had those thoughts at one point in time because of some sin that we have done and committed. But the Lord assures us that he loves us and he's just waiting for us to come to him, to ask for his help, to ask for his forgiveness, to make us more like him, to awaken our hearts to a higher impulse and a holier desires. And that is why he gives us these words of encouragement. That is why we have such a hope because God does not want us to go around in these despondent feelings and to go around with such drudgery and sadness because we feel like the Lord cannot forgive us. He assures us that he loves us, that he laid down his life for us, that we can go to him with all of our cares and with all of our troubles. And he is waiting and willing and wanting to help us with all of those things. And it's just a matter of us coming to him. And that's why we are commissioned to share this with others and to share that hope and to share the gospel because the gospel is the greatest hope of all. Knowing that you can be redeemed and to be made new again and to be with him forever in heaven where there will be no more sin, sadness, death, or anything like that ever again. And that is something that we all long and hope for. In LHU 331.2, she says this, when you begin to feel despondent, look unto Jesus and commune with him. When you think your brethren misunderstand you, remember that Jesus, your elder brother, never makes a mistake. He will judge righteously. The words of Christ uttered in the great day of the feast have a wonderful meaning and power. He lifted up his voice and said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. We are not to be driven to Christ. It is our part to come, to make our own choice, and to come to the fountain of life. Why should we not come to Christ? For in him our hope of eternal life is centered. The lessons that have come to us through Christ are not oft repeated 
repeated maxims. They are full of vital thought, but it is our part to appropriate divine truth. The Apostle Paul exhorts us to lay hold on the hope set before us in the gospel. By faith, we are to appropriate the promises of God and to provide ourselves with the abundant blessings which have been secured for us through Christ Jesus. Hope has been set before us, even to the hope of eternal life. Nothing short of this blessing for us will satisfy our Redeemer, but it is our part to lay hold upon this hope by faith in Him who has promised. We may expect to suffer, for it is those who are partakers with Him in His sufferings who shall be partakers with Him in His glory. He has purchased forgiveness and immortality for the sinful, perishing souls of men, but it is our part to receive these gifts by faith. Believing in Him, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast. We are to understand that we may confidently expect God's favor, not only in this world, but in the heavenly world, since he paid such a price for our salvation. Faith in the atonement and intercession of Christ will keep us steadfast and immovable, and the temptations that press upon us in the church militant, let us contemplate the glorious hope that is set before us, and by faith lay hold upon it. This is very interesting, very deep, and something that we need to look and reread over and over again. Hope is such a simple yet astounding thing because it can go so deep. It is not just the surface of, oh yes, we have this hope. We sing about it, we talk about it, but when we really study it and when we read these quotes about it, we can realize what a gift hope is, how powerful our hope in the Lord and hope for eternal life and hope in Christ is, and what that does for our souls, what it does to chase away the despondency, to chase away Satan, to give us a better thing to look forward to, to keep our eyes fixed on what is to come. Hope can do great things for us. Hope can get us out of those dark thoughts. Hope in Jesus can raise us up like nothing else and can save us. And all of these things go hand in hand. Faith, hope, love. We need all of it to understand and to grow. And by having more hope, we have more faith. And by having more faith, we have more love. And by having more love, we have more faith. It's a full circle. It's a full triangle. All of them working together to strengthen the bonds of each other. In the Bible, it says a three-cord rope is stronger than a one-cord rope. And that is true. When you bind three cords together, that's going to hold you a lot better than one cord that can break and fray. We must rely on Jesus because he is our rope. He is our anchor. And he will keep us steady in the storm of life and he will help us when we are getting low. We do not go to him enough. And I will say this time and time again. And this is the kind of thing that the Bible tells us time and time again. We are told, come to me and I will help you. Knock and the door will be open. Seek and ye shall find. And that is such an encouragement to us to know that the Lord is never far away. It is us who has to do the work. We have to do our part. We have to reach out. God is waiting for us to make the move and then he can do his part. But until we make that move and we make that effort and do our part, he can't force us to come to him. He's not going to force us to come to him because he is a God of love and he is a God who gives us the freedom of will. We have free will, we have free choice, and but he tells us the consequences of the actions if we 
don't listen and if we don't obey. But it is up to us to listen. In that same book, LHU, in the next paragraph, 331.3, she says, we cannot find salvation in our own individual selves. We are to look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. And as we look, we live. How hard poor mortals strive to be sin bearers for themselves and for others. But the only sin bearer is Jesus Christ. He alone can be my substitute and sin bearer. The forerunner of Christ exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Then take your eyes off yourself and encourage hope and confidence in Christ. Let your hope not be centered in yourself, but in him who has entered within the veil. Talk of the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that is exactly what we need to do. We cannot look to ourselves to get better. We in and of ourselves cannot make ourselves better. We have to have his help. We have to go to him and ask him, Lord, please save me for I am a sinner. Please help me for I cannot save myself. And the Lord wants us to come to him. He's waiting for us to come to him. All we have to do is take the first step and then we will never have to walk alone. We will be walking with the Savior forever. In Bible Echo, September 24, 1900, paragraph 5, she says, the hope set before us. What is it? The hope of eternal life. Nothing short of this will satisfy the Redeemer, and it is our part to lay hold of this hope by living faith in him. If we are partakers with him in his sufferings, we shall be partakers with him in the glory which will be his. For his merits have purchased forgiveness and immortality for every sinful perishing soul. This hope we have as an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. Our trust in this hope purchased for us by the atonement of and intercession of Christ is to keep us steadfast and unmovable in every hour of conflict. With such a hope as this before us, shall we allow Satan to cast his shadow across our pathway to eclipse our view of the future? And I want to say, no, we should not allow Satan to cast his shadow across our pathway. We have a blessed hope and we need to remind ourselves of this day by day and with each passing moment. Hope in eternal life. There's nothing short of this that satisfies the Redeemer. I think that is amazing. God wants us to be saved and he doesn't want to give up on us until the very last moment when we make those decisions for ourselves. He wants us to be saved and nothing short of our salvation will satisfy him. That just is so astounding to me. That is so amazing. And Christ and that hope in Christ will keep us steadfast and unmovable in every hour of conflict. Now that is a blessed reassurance and something that we need to remind ourselves on a constant basis because temptation and conflict are all around us all the time because Satan doesn't want us to be saved. So we are constantly tempted and tempted. We are constantly tempted and bombarded on every side and Satan wants us to lose our way. He wants us to be lost. He doesn't want us to be saved, but God does and that's why he doesn't give up on us. So we need to ask ourselves with such a hope before us, shall we allow Satan to cast his shadow across our pathway and to eclipse our view of the future that is to come? Ask yourselves that question and with Christ's help, you too can have and be in that glorious future and that glorious hope that is waiting for us. We must come to Jesus as we are and he will help us and give us 
the strength to overcome Satan. FW 116.4 says, if Christ is in the heart, he will appear in the home, in the workshop, in the marketplace, in the church. The power of the truth will be felt in elevating, ennobling the mind and softening and subduing the heart, bringing the whole man into harmony with God. He who is transformed by the truth will shed a light upon the world. He that hath the hope of Christ in him will purify himself even as he is pure. The hope of Christ appearing is a large hope, a far-reaching hope. It is the hope of seeing the king in his beauty and of being made like him. That is so beautiful. Such a promise, such a great thing to think about. And that is what we need to fill our mind and our thoughts with, of the hope to come, of that blessed future, of heaven, our home, and to be and reside with Christ forever and to be made like him. We want to be made in his image because we have lost our way and we are sinners. And we have been given such a far-reaching hope to know that he can transform us through his power and his grace. And that is something that we should never, ever forgive. In RH May 13th, 1884, paragraph six and seven, she says, do not consult feeling, for feeling is not to be our guide. We are to walk by faith and not by sight. Do not let unbelief separate you from God. Do not let one word of unbelief or discouragement escape your lips. Satan is pleased at every such expression because it is dishonoring to Jesus. Seek earnestly to remedy every defect of character. Put away murmuring and fretfulness. In the indulgence of these traits, you represent Satan, the prince of darkness, and not Christ, the prince of light. Cast no shadow to darken the pathway of others. Walk in the light, and the peace and joy that shine in the face of Jesus will be reflected upon you. Jesus lives, and his promise is, according to your faith, be it unto you. Those who talk unbelief will have a little enthusiasm when the sky is bright and everything encouraging. But when the battle goes hard, when we have to hope against hope and urge our petitions to the throne of grace through deep darkness, then the unbelieving ones will talk of the good land of Canaan, but will make prominent the dangers to be encountered. They will dwell on the strong walls and the giants that we shall meet. When the language of faithful Caleb should be heard, the land is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he shall bring us into this land and give it us. And this is so true. We have coming upon us a time such as never has been seen or heard of before. And we need now more than ever to have that hope because one day we will have to hope against hope and we will have to rely on our faith and those promises in the Bible to see us through the darkness and through the times that are coming ahead when we have to stand up for the truth though everyone is against us and everyone is calling for our death even. We might be put in prison. We might be tortured. We might have to live very simply in caves. Money will mean nothing. Friends will abandon us. Family might turn us in. But this is when we have to believe the promises, have to have that strong faith. And what we do now and how we spend our time now will determine whether or not we make it in that final battle, whether we have that true inner strength to make it through to the end. It is a serious thing to contemplate, but our salvation is a serious matter. And that is why we must talk of these things. That is why we must study these things. And that is why we must prepare. Now is the time to get ready, not later. Later doesn't come. Our time here is precious. Let us use it wisely. And I am talking to myself as well as to all of you in this. We can do much better than what we are doing now. Lord, help us because we cannot do it alone or by ourselves. In RH, November 9th, 1886, paragraph 16, she says, I call upon the children and youth 
to empty their minds of foolish vanities and make Jesus their everlasting friend. Be sure you have a well-grounded hope. Nothing short of this should satisfy the soul. Make no mistake, for we are working for eternal results. It is insanity to be quiet and at ease, as so many are at the present time having no assurance that they are indeed sons and daughters of God. Eternal interests are at stake. Put away that story. Fall upon your knees in prayer for strength to overcome temptations and devote your time to searching the Bible. And when Jesus reveals himself to you as a sin-pardoning Savior, reflect the heavenly radiance upon others. You need not remain in suspense. True light shines from God's word upon all hearts that are open to receive its precious rays. And it is your privilege to say, I know that my Redeemer liveth. The Spirit will bear witness with your spirit that you are indeed children of God. You may commune with Christ, who will be within you a hope of glory. This is true religion. All else is deception, a delusion. Let us open our hearts to its influence that when Christ comes, we may be ready to receive him in joy and peace. Wow, wow, wow. That is something that is very true. We can make no mistake for we are working for our eternal results. We need to have that hope. We should not let anything else satisfy our soul except for working our salvation with fear and trembling and to hope and believe in the promises and believe that the Redeemer is a sin-pardoning Savior and that when He is in our life, He will reflect His radiance out of us and into others. And then when we are doing these things, we cannot forget to go and share the truth with others. We must tell them of the blessed hope. We are commissioned to tell them that Jesus loves them and that He wants them to be saved and that wants them to be in heaven with Him forever. And that is why we must do our part in telling the gospel story. And that is why I try to do these podcasts so that somewhere along the way, even if, you know, I only reach those people and encourage people to encourage other people, that will be amazing. We do not know the ripple effect that we can have on a soul, how a single smile can change somebody's life, how we can have an effect. That is why each of us can reach somebody that somebody else cannot. We do our part, the Lord does his part. We throw a stone and it ripples. Even if we only have one small part in it, that is something that is amazing to behold. And when we get to heaven, we will be able to hear the stories of how we were able to help somebody. And it's not because we want to puff up ourselves, oh, that we're so great that we help somebody. No, it's not about that at all. We are not good. We are not great at all. We are nothing. We do this because we love Jesus, because we care about the salvation of souls. We do this so that they might be saved, so that they might know the joy and the peace and the hope that we have in our hearts and in our lives. We tell them because we love them, because we want them to be saved. It's not so that we can brag to others about how many people we have saved. (laughs) If you're doing it for those reasons, you're doing it for the wrong reasons, and therefore you won't, we won't make it in heaven if we're doing it for those reasons, because there will be no pride of any sort in heaven. There will be no sin of any sort in heaven. In R.H. June 23, 1896, paragraph 3 and 4, she says this, Standing as man's right 
representative at Pilate's bar, he suffered the cruel sentence of death to be passed upon him by unreasonable and wicked men, and answered not a word to their accusations. The majesty of heaven was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. When the poor sinner inquired the way of life, Jesus did not remain silent, but when condemned to the most ignominious and cruel of deaths, he had not a word to say. He was not silent because he was guilty, for he was the embodiment of purity and holiness. He could have delivered himself from those who came to take him in the Garden of Gethsemane. With a few words from his lips sent the murderous throng reeling to the earth as if smitten by a bolt of the wrath of God. But he suffered humiliation, agony, and death in silence because he had given his life for the life of the world. He was not compelled to do it, but he volunteered to be man's substitute and surety. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The wages of sin is death, and he freely offered himself as appropriation for the sins of men. We have every reason to hope in his mercy, to believe in his love. You have every reason to believe that he can and will save you. Why? Because you are guiltless? No, because you are a sinner. And Jesus says, I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The call is addressed to you. And when Satan says to you that there is no hope, tell him you know there is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Believe that Jesus means just what he says. Take him at his word and hang your helpless soul upon him. He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Do not cast away such rich promises as these. The hand that was nailed to the cross for you is stretched out to save you. Believe that Jesus will hear your confession, receive your request, forgive your sins, and make you a member of the royal family. You need the hope which Jesus will give to cheer you under every circumstance. This is such an amazing quote because we are here brought into what was happening with Jesus on the cross, with what he did for us, for the promises that we have in him. We can expect to have salvation because he loves us and because he freely gave his life for us and he calls us to come to him and to have that hope. We can tell Satan to his face when he tells us that there is no hope, that there is a God of love, that he gave his life for us and that he does love us and that we need to not cast away all of those rich wonderful promises that we are given this is a plea for our souls jesus is pleading with us all of his sermons all of the things that he said in the bible all of these quotes in the spirit of prophecy that the lord gave to ellen white to give to us are pleadings with us to get our lives right to get us right to give us an encouragement to give us a hope to know that we can stand before the lord 
Lord and to be forgiven and to have a hope of a better life to come, a hope that we will see Jesus again, a hope that we will live with him forever in eternity and to learn more of him and to hold him close and to thank him for all that he's done because he has stretched out his hand on the cross. He was nailed to it and he did it to save us from our sins. And that is such a precious thing. And that is something that we need to tell the world about because nothing else can compare to what the Lord has done for us. I want to read these quotes in RH September 3, 1903, paragraph 6 and 7. It says, How thankful we should be for the blessings offered us, for the hope we have in the gospel, for the sacrifice which Christ made in order that we might have these blessings. He, the majesty of heaven, the king of glory, laid aside his royal robe and kingly crown, clothed his divinity with humanity, and came to this earth to stand at the head of humanity. After his crucifixion and resurrection, he ascended to heaven, but he went as our elder brother to intercede in our behalf. By a life of self-sacrifice and a death of shame, he redeemed us, and he now stands before the Father as our advocate. The appropriation for the sins of every repentant one who receives him and believes on his name. With his human arm, he encircles the fallen race, while with his divine arm, he grasps the throne of the infinite. No matter how weak the sinner may be, no matter how many or how great may have been his transgressions, the Savior will accept him. Christ loves every member of the human race, for he has bought them all with a price. And what a price! Christ would have given his life even if he had known that only the little company before whom I am standing today would be saved at last. Yes, if there had been but one member of our little company that could have been saved, he would have given his life as a ransom for that one. How incomprehensible is his infinite love? How incomprehensible indeed. We will have an eternity to figure out how much love Christ has for us. It is amazing to me to read these encouraging quotes, to see how much Christ loves us, that no matter how far we think we have gone, no matter the transgressions that we have done, that Christ still loves us and he will accept us as his own, that he will forgive us and pardon us freely. That brings such joy to my heart. That brings tears to my eyes to think about that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, and to know that he accepts and loves me, even after all that I have done to him, even after all of the things that we have put him through. He still loves us. He still wants us to come to him. And that is something that we in our human brains will never understand. But we will have the privilege of learning and seeing it throughout all of eternity. And now I want to leave with one final quote. She says in RH June 23, 1904, paragraph 15, God sees the struggle that is to take place in our world, the whole progress and outcome of which has been traced in the pages of his word. He sees also the diseased, defective eyesight of his people, which prevents them from discerning their own deficiencies and from taking an earnest interest in the things of eternity. Christ calls upon the members of his church to cherish the true, genuine hope of the gospel. He points them upward, distinctly assuring them that the riches that endure are above and not below. Their hope is in heaven and not on the earth. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says, and all these things, all that is essential for your good, shall be added unto you. That is a wonderful promise and something that we can cling to. We must not cling to the things of this world. We must not care about the things of this world because our treasure is not here. 
It is in the hope to come. And there is so much more that can be said on the study of hope. And there is so much more about it. And I encourage you to go and study it for yourself because it is such a beautiful study. It is such an encouraging study. And that is the kinds of things that we need to think about and to study about and to contemplate about with all of our hearts, soul, and minds. And I hope that this was a blessing and encouragement to you. Now I want to sing this song in the hymn. It's called My Hope is Built on Nothing Less. And I pray that it is a blessing. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. In every rough and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Not earth nor hell my soul can move. I rest upon unchanging love. I trust his righteous character, his counsel, promise, and his power. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And all other ground is truly sinking sand. We can only stand on Christ. He is our anchor. He is our hope. And he will see us through all of the things that this world and Satan throws at us. And that is a blessed hope indeed. And once we have this hope in us, let us give that hope to others. Share all that you know so that they may share in the hope that you have. Remember it says in Matthew 5:16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.